Welcome to Lit Reading. I'm Don McDonald. Looking for more information on the podcast? Visit litreading.com. Now please bear with us as we pay the bills. Our story begins shortly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lit Reading. I'm Don McDonald. Falling in love is one of humanity's biggest mysteries. What is it that ignites a longing for another person? This poignant story about a young man's quest for companionship was written by the first female Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Here is The Way the World Is by Zona Gale. The new lady's house was marked by a row of poplars outside the fence, as if the very road changed its character when it passed her house. As for Nicholas, when he went by that house, he became another being. This night, the first time he had ever entered her gate, the protection of the twilight alone kept him from running away. Once under the poplars, he did not know what way to look. To seem to look straight along the road was unnatural. To seem to look out across the opposite fields was hypocrisy. To look at her house was unthinkable. So as he went to the gate and up the aster-bordered walk, he examined the back of his hand, near and then a little farther away. As he reached the steps, he was absorbedly studying his thumb. From a place of soft light, shed through a pink box shade on the table, and of scattered willow chairs and the big leaves of plants, she came toward him. You did come, she said. I thought you wouldn't, really. With the utmost effort, Nicholas detached one hand from his hat brim and gave it to her. From head to foot, he was conscious, not of the touch of her hand, little and soft, but of the bigness and coarseness of his own hand. I hated to come like everything, he said. At this, of course, she laughed, and she went back to her willow chair and motioned him to his. He got upon it, crimson and wretched. "'As much as that,' she observed. "'You know I wanted to come awfully, too,' he modified it. "'But I dreaded it like sixty. "'I—I can't explain,' he stumbled. "'Don't,' said the new lady lightly, and took pity on him and rang a little bell. She thought again how fine and distinguished he was, as he had seemed to her on the day, soon after her coming to the village, when she had first spoken to him. She had driven out alone, and at a fancy had crossed right away through the lush grass of a fenceless meadow, and she had almost run him down lying on his face in the green under a cottonwood. Oh, "'What is the matter?' she had demanded in some alarm. And, "'Nothing. I just like it.' He said he had been surprised into saying. "'So do I,' she told him heartily. "'So do I.' "'What?' she had asked. "'Do you like about it best?' "'I guess—I guess I just like it on account of its being the way it is,' he had answered uncertainly. "'That is a very, very nice reason,' she had commented. 
again. So do I. After she had left him, she remembered, looking about it as if he saw it all for the first time. Afterward, at a supper in the village church lecture room, she had seen him again, bringing in a great freezer of ice cream. She had greeted him, and he had all but dropped the freezer. Then a certain big obvious deacon, whose garden adjoined her own, had come and snatched the burden away, as importantly as if he had made it himself at the very least, and the boy stood shamefaced trying to say something. She had greeted him very gently, and though he had answered almost nothing, his face had lighted as at a summons. So she had divined his tragedy, the loneliness which his shyness masked at some constant plight of confusion. Come and see me sometimes, she had impulsively bidden him. Do you know where I live? Did he know that? Since that day in the meadow, had he known anything else? And now, after a fortnight of trying, he had come. He sat staring at her, trying to realize that he was on her veranda, hearing the sound of the little bell she had rung. He had wanted something like this wistfully, passionately. Miserable as he was, he rested in the moment as within arms. And the time seemed to still in that little silver bell sound and the intimacy of waiting with her for someone to come. He knew that someone with a light footfall did come to the veranda. He heard the new lady call her Alpha, but he saw only her hands, plump and capable, and shaped like his own, moving among the glasses, after which his whole being became absorbed in creditably receiving the tall, cool tumbler on the tray which the capable hands held out to him. A period of suspended intelligence ensued until he set the empty glass on the table. Then the little maid had gone, and the new lady, sipping her own glass, was talking to him. You were lying on the grass that day, she said, as if you understood grass. Not many do understand about grass, and almost nobody understands the country. People say, come, let us go into the country. And when we get there, is it the country they want it all? No, it is the country sports, the country home, everything but the real country. They play match games, climb things in a stated time, put in a day at a stated place. I often think they must go home leaving the country quite aghast that they could have come and gone and paid so little heed to it. Presently, I am going to have some charming people out here at my house who will do the same thing. So she talked, asking him nothing, even her eyes leaving him free. It seemed to him, tense and alert and ill at ease as he listened, that he too was talking to her. From the pressing practicalities, the self-important deacon, the people who did not trouble to talk to him, his world abruptly escaped, and in that world he walked, an escaped thing too. Yet when she paused, he looked out at her shrinkingly from under his need to reply. He did not look at her face, but he looked at her hands, so little that each time he saw them they were a new surprise and somehow alien to him. He looked away from them to the friendliness of her smile. And when he heard himself saying detached, irrelevant things, he again fell to studying one of his own hands, big and coarse and brown. Oh, he thought, the difference between her and him was so hopelessly the difference in their hands. In an absurdly short time, the need to be gone was upon him. But of this he could not speak, and he sat half unconscious of what she was saying because of his groping for the means to get away. Clearly, he must not interrupt her to say he must go. Neither could he reply to what she said by announcing his intention. And yet when he answered what she said, straight away her exquisite voice went on with its speech to him. 
How, he wondered, does anybody ever get away from anywhere? If only something would happen, so that he could slip within it as within doors and take his leave. Something did happen by way of the new lady's garden, and so to her side door there arrived those whose garden adjoined her own, the big, obvious, self-important deacon, and behind him three light gowns. The little maid Alpha came showing them through the house in the pleasant custom of the village. And when the new lady, with pretty unexpected murmurings, rose to meet them, Nicholas got to his feet confronting the crisis of saying goodbye, and the moment closed upon him like a vice. He heard his voice falter among the other voices. He saw himself under the necessity to take her hand, and the deacon's hand, and the hands, so to speak, of the three light gowns, and this he did in a kind of unpracticed, bewildering minuet. And then he found his eyes on a level with eyes he had not seen before. Blue eyes, gentle, watching, wide, and a fresh, friendly little face under soft hair. It was Elpha taking away the empty glasses. And the boy, in his dire need to ease the instant, abruptly and inexplicably held out his hand to her, too. She blushed, sent a frightening look to her mistress, and took the hand in hers that was plump and capable with its strong round wrist. And, the little maid now being in an embarrassment like his own, the two hands clung for a moment as if they had each the need. "'Good night,' she said, trembling. "'Good night.' said the new lady very gently. "'Oh, good night!' burst from the boy as he fled away. It was Elpha who admitted him at his next coming. The screened porch was once more in soft light from the square rose shade, and the place had the usual pleasant, haunted air of the settings of potentialities, as if potentiality were a gift of enhancement to human folk. The new lady was not at home, Elpha told him, in her motherly little heart pitying him. And at the news he sat down, quite simply, in the chair in which he had sat before. He must see her. It was unthinkable that she should be away. On the willow table lay her needlework. It was soft and white beyond the texture of most clouds. And she had wrought on it a pattern like the lines on a river. As his eyes rested on it, Nicholas could fancy it lying against her white gown and upon it her incomparable hands. Some way, she seemed nearer to him when he was not with her than when with her incomparable hands and her fluent speech, she was in his presence. When she was not with him, he could think of what to say to her. When he stood before her, the thought of his leave-taking on that veranda seized upon him, so that he caught his breath in a sharp thrust of mortified recollection and looked away and up. His eyes met those of Elpha, who was quietly sitting opposite. How they all must have laughed at me! You too, he said. Why? she asked. The last time I was here, shaking hands that way, he explained. I didn't laugh, she unexpectedly protested. I cried. He looked at her, and this was as if he were seeing her for the first time. Cried? he repeated. Nobody ever shakes hands with me, Elpha told him. He stared at her as she sat on the edge of her chair, her plump, idle hands on her crisp apron. No, he admitted. No, I don't suppose they do. I didn't think, but he had not thought of her at all. By the door all day, I let in handshakes, she said, and then I let them out again, but I shouldn't get any of them from me. That, Nicholas saw, was true enough. Even he had been mortified because he had taken her hand. Once, Elpha said, 
I fed a woman by the back door, and when she went, she took a hold of my hand, thankful. And then you done it too, like it was a mistake. That's all since I worked out. I don't know folks outside much, only some that don't shake hands, count as seeming ashamed to. I know, said Nicholas. Sometimes, she went on, folks come here and walk in to see her and they don't shake. Ain't it funny? When folks can and don't? When they come from the city next week, the whole house will shake hands but me. Once I went to prayer meeting, and I hung around waiting to see if somebody wouldn't. But they didn't. Any of them. It was raining outside, and I guess they thought I'd come with somebody's rubbers. Nicholas looked at her a little fearfully. It had seemed to him that in a great world of light, he had always moved in a little hollow of darkness and detachment. Were there then other hollows like that? Places to which outstretched hands never penetrate? A great understanding and wistfulness possessed him, and he burst out in an effort to express it. You're a funny girl, he said. She flushed, suddenly lifted one hand and looked at it. Nicholas watched her now intently. She studied the back of her hand, turned it, and sat absorbedly examining her little thumb. And Nicholas felt a sudden sense of understanding, of gladness that he understood, as he had felt when he was afraid and wretched, so Alpha was feeling now. He leaned toward her. Don't feel afraid, he said gently. She shook her head. I don't, she said. I don't, truly. I guess that's why I stayed here now. She won't be back till ten. I ought to have said so before. You, you won't want to wait so long. He rose at once. And now, being at his ease, his head was erect, his arms naturally fallen, his face as confident and as occupied by his spirit as when he lay alone in the meadows. Well, sir, he said, let's shake hands again. She gave him her hand, and in their peculiarly winning upward look, her eyes, blue, wide, watchful, with that brooding mother watchfulness of some women, even in youth, and her hand met his in the clasp which is born of the simple human longing of kind for kind. Goodbye, she answered his goodbye, and they both laughed a little in a shyness which was in a way a delight. In the days to follow there flowed in the boy's veins a tide of novel sweetness, and now his thoughts eluded one another and made no chain so that when he tried to remember what, on that first evening, the new lady and he had talked about, there came only a kind of pleasure, but it had no name. Everything that he had to do pressed upon him, and when he could get time he was away to the meadow, looking down on the chimneys of that house, and swept by a current that was like a singing. And always, always, it was as if someone were with him. There came a night when he could no longer bear it, when his wish took him to itself and carried him with it. Those autumn dusks, warm yellow with their moon and still odorous of summer, were hard to endure alone. Since the evening with her, Nicholas had not seen the new lady save when, not seeing him, she had driven past in her phaeton. At the sight of her, and once at the sight of Elpha from her home, a faintness had seized him, so that he had wondered at himself for someone else. And then, with a poignancy that was new pain, new joy, new life, had rejoiced that he was himself. And so, when he could no longer bear it, he took his evening way toward the row of poplars, regretting the moonlight lest by it they should see him coming. 
He had no intimation of her guests, for the new lady's windows were always brightly lighted, and until he was within the screen veranda, the sound of voices did not reach him. Then from the rooms there came a babble of soft speech and laughter, and a touch of chords, and when he would have incontinently have retreated, the new lady crossed the hall and saw him. She came to the doorway and greeted him, and Nicholas looked up in the choking discomfort of sudden fear. She was in a gown that was like her needlework, mysteriously fashioned and intricate with shining things which made her infinitely remote. The incomparable little hands were quite covered with jewels. It was as if he had come to see a spirit and had met a woman. "'How good of you to come again,' she said. "'Come, I want my friends to meet you.' "'Her friends.' That quick crossing of words within there then meant the presence of her friends from the city. I couldn't. I came for a book. I'll get it some other time. I've got to go now, Nicholas said. Then, Bettina, Bettina, someone called from within, and a man appeared in the hallway, smiled at the sight of the new lady, dropped his glass at the sight of Nicholas, bowed, turned away. Oh, how should he know that her name was Bettina when Nicholas had not known? This time he did not say goodnight at all. This time he did not look at his great hand, which was trembling, but he got away, mumbling something, his retreat graciously covered by the new lady's light words. And, the sooner to be gone and out of the moonlight that would let them see him go, he struck blindly into the path that led to the little side gate of the garden. The mortification that chains spirit to flesh and tortures both held him and tortured him. For a flash he imagined himself up there among them all, his hands holding his hat, imagined having to shake hands with them, and somehow this way of fellowship, this meeting of hands outstretched for hands, seemed with them the supreme ordeal, the true symbol of his alien state from them and from the new lady. No doubt she understood him, but for the first time Nicholas saw that this is not enough. For the first time he saw that she was as far away from him as were the others. How easy, Nicholas thought piteously, those people in her house all found it to act the way they wanted to. Their hands must be like her hands. He got through the garden into the side gate, and now the old loneliness was twofold upon him because he had known what it is to reach from the dark toward the light. Yet when he saw that at the gate someone was standing, he halted in his old impulse to be on guard, haunted by the fear that this would be somebody alien to him. Then he saw that it was no one from another star but Alpha. Oh, he said, and that too was what she said, but he did not hear. Not from another star she came, but from the deep of the world where Nicholas felt himself alone. I was just going away, he explained. For assent, she stepped back a little, saying nothing. But when Nicholas would have passed her, it was as if the immemorial loneliness and the seeking of forgotten men innumerable stirred within him in the ache of his heart, in the mere desperate wish to go to somebody, to be with somebody to have somebody by the hand. He turned upon Alpha almost savagely. Shake hands, he said. Obediently she put out her hand, which of itself stayed ever so briefly within his. He held it, feeling himself crushing it, clinging to it, being possessed by it. Her hand was, like his, rough from its work, and it was something alive, something human, something that answered. And instantly it was not Alpha alone who was there companioning him. But the dark was quick with its presences, besieging him, letting him know that no one alive is alone, that he was somehow one of a comrade company within, without, encompassing. 
and the boy was caught up by this sweet will outside his own will, and he never knew how it was that he had Alpha in his arms. Come here, he said. To Alpha, in her loneliness threaded by its own dream, the moment, exquisite and welcome as it was, was yet as natural as her own single being. But to the boy it was not yet the old miracle of one world built from another. It was only the answer to the groping of hands for hands, the mere human call to be companioned. And yet the need to reassure her came upon him like the mantle of an elder time. Don't feel afraid, he said. Her eyes gave him their peculiarly winning upward look, and it was as if their mother watchfulness answered him gravely. I don't truly. And at this she laughed a little, so that he joined her, and their laughter together was a new delight. Across the adjoining lawn Nicholas could see in the moonlight the moving figure of the big deacon, a light gown or two attending. A sudden, surprising sense of safety from them overswept the boy. What if they did come that way? What, he even thought, if those people in the house were to come by? Somehow the little hollow of dark in which he had always walked in the midst of light was now as light as the rest of the world, and he was not afraid. And all this because Alpha did not stir in his arms, but was still, as if they were her harbor. And then Nicholas knew what they both meant. Alpha, do you... I guess I must, she said, and knew no way to finish that. Love me? said Nicholas, bold as a lion. I meant that too, Alpha said. Between the new lady's house and the big, obvious deacon's lawn, the boy stood, silent, his arms about the girl. So this was the way the world is. People bound, together, needing one another, wanting one another, stretching out their hands. Why, it was you I wanted. Nicholas said wonderingly. A brilliant author of novels, short stories, and plays, Zona Gale was the first woman to win a Pulitzer Prize for drama for the stage adaptation of her novel, Miss Lulu Bet. At age 16, Gale sold her first story, entitled Bob, to the Milwaukee Evening, Wisconsin, for $3. I hope you enjoyed this story on Lit Reading and will listen to many others. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends to listen to the podcast. And please, if you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Don McDonald.